Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. I mean, beverages, watching a big game, it can't get any better. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Lots to discuss here in the GM Shuffle. Okay, it's normally supposed to be the offseason, not much going on, but training camp's now beginning. We've got plenty of news. Of course, we're going to begin with Aaron Rodgers, but also coming up, Deshaun Watson back at training camp despite lawsuits. Lamar Jackson diagnosed with COVID. We'll continue our look at different divisions of the AFC North. And again, COVID, a major issue is the NFL introducing forfeit rules. Some love it, some hate it. We'll dive into all of that today. But we kick it off with the news that Aaron Rodgers is back. Wow, hallelujah, okay? He drew a line in the sand. He wanted to trade the Packers. We're not going to trade you. We know you hate Goonquints. We're not going to fire him. We're not going anywhere. But both sides get what they want as best as they can. Offseason turmoil, Aaron Rodgers reports. Here's the thing, Mike. Basically, this is a last dance scenario. The 2023 year in Rodgers' contract, the last one in his current deal, is voided. No tags allowed in the future. So basically, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I get one more year and I get out of here. I got some more money coming to me as well. The Packers agree to review Rodgers' situation at the end of this season, and his contract is adjusted no loss of income to give the Packers more cap room now. When you look at all of this, who comes out the big winner? The Roger, Aaron Rodgers camp or the Packers? Well, I mean, the Packers clearly, you know, conceded some things and Rodgers conceded some things to come in. So I think it was both. But I mean, let's just break it down. The 2023 season, that's going to get voided. I mean, I think it's really that that was one of those things in negotiation that you argue as a hard issue, right? You know, when whenever you're negotiating something, you have to find something that you really don't want, but you make an issue over it because the other person concedes, gets when he gets it, he feels like he's gotten rewarded. You know, so look, we're not going to we're not going to eliminate his contract. We're not going. Okay, all right, we'll void twenty twenty three. What what what's the big deal with voiding twenty twenty three? I think he's going to be forty years old at that point. At that point, you know, you've drafted Jordan Love. It's his fourth year. You better decide what you're doing with him. How far are we going with a 40-year-old quarterback? I know Tom Brady's going to play till he's 85, but the reality of it is, is, you know, what am I giving up, giving up the 2023? I, I don't think they're giving up anything. I really don't. I, I really don't. And the fact that it really puts the onus on 2022, but in 2022, say Rodgers has a great season in 21, which I'm sure he will have. Are you really going to trade him in 2022? I mean... At least if you trade them in 2022, you'll know exactly what you're getting back. I'm going to get this pick, that pick, and this pick back. I know exactly. So it gives you a little bit of leverage. So I, I don't think voiding the 2023 was a very big deal. I, I mean, it's kind of nebulous on what happens after 21. You know, we're going to have a meeting of the minds and, you know, Dave Donald spin it a thousand different ways. But I think really at the end of the day, in listening to Rogers talk, I think Rodgers was as frustrated about team building 
as most Packer fans, including Big Daddy Vince over here in Ocean City. You know, I, I think I think his anger towards what's happened with that franchise. I mean, really, as a Packer fan, AD, I mean, when you know when you get Brett Favre, you know, and you start and you start from 1993 until present day, you have two Hall of Fame top five quarterbacks of their era and you've gone and you've won two Super Bowls. You've won two Super Bowls. You, you got to feel like you, you, you got to feel like you haven't achieved it. And I think a lot of the issues that I've said this numerous times, I think Ted Thompson was a wonderful man. I think Ted Thompson was a, a really good talent evaluator. I think Ted Thompson's inability, unflexibility to diversify his portfolio, to only use the college draft cost the Packers Super Bowls. I think there's no denying it. I think there's just no fucking denying it. And I think Gutekus is carrying, changed that a little bit. So I don't know why he was mad at Gutekus for changing it. You know, because Gutekus at least tried to sign free agents. He got the Smith brothers. I mean, he's trying. Whereas Ted was either we get him in the draft or they get cut by another team. And oh, by the way, we're not signing any of our guys. We want compensatory picks. I think that's really what Rodgers was about. So they throw him a bone. They get Randall Cobb back. Great. Randall Cobb's back. That's awesome. Where are we after three months of all this? Where are we? What year is it that Randall Cobb is back, by the way? But yeah, you're right. I guess at the end of the day, Rodgers still wants out. They gave him a little bit more money, but ultimately, like you said, Mike, where are we? He wanted Goodquince out. Of course they weren't going to do that. He wanted to get traded. Of course they weren't going to do that. So it's an uneasy truce for now. Yeah, it is. But I mean, this this whole story starting in the day of the draft is kind of like when I used to go home to my grandmother, this old Italian lady who only spoke broken English, you know, who couldn't read or write. So she watched she watched soap operas during the day, all day. She sat in her chair. She had one of those one of those remotes, you know, you've seen those with the four buttons on it because she wasn't going to get her ass out of the chair. God bless her, you know. And so I, I would, you know, I'd go over there if I was sick and my mother, you know, you got to stay with your grandmother today. So I'd go over there, you know, it, let's say I go over in January and, and I, she'd watch me at the house and I'm sick. So, okay, now I'm sick again, maybe in July. I'm watching the same fucking soap opera that I was watching in January, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, nothing changed. Like, they didn't move the needle at all. Like, that's my point about this whole story. It's like my grandmother's soap opera. She never fucking moved the needle. Like, I'm waiting like patience on a monument. And, and it just, nothing happens. I mean, look, 50K a day. 50K a day, AD. Plus, you got to start paying back money. You know, that's all we heard about is how unhappy all these players were. But it's remarkable how they all showed up because in the offseason, no one talks about the 50K a day. We do here at the GM Shuffle, but nobody talks about the 50K a day. Nobody talks about clubs having any leverage back in March. No, Russell Wilson has all the leverage. He's James fucking Harden. He can do whatever he wants. He wants five teams he's going to. He's on Seattle, by the way. You know, Deshaun Watson will never play in a uniform again. He just took some snaps today with the Texans. Like, seriously, we spent three months of this shit. Like, at some point, can't somebody say, you know, the clubs have some rights here. They've collectively bargained that they don't want holdouts. Like, what's like? why do we have to create a story? I know the answer to the question. Yeah, ultimately, it is much ado about nothing. And part of the deal, Mike, we haven't got into is about signing receiver Devontae Adams. So a few days ago, Rodgers and Adams colluding together, posting the same picture on IG of Jordan and Pippen from their final season with the Bulls, indicating, you know, last dance situation. And then you mentioned Randall Cobb coming back. I'm coming home. So great. Uh, thoughts with Devontae Adams. Look, when teams are down, this is what typically happens. When teams are down and the media has ganged up on 
someone. And look, I'm I'm as critical as Mark Murphy as anybody, right? I I'll say it like I see it. I think Mark Murphy is an ego-driven athletic director who wants to be, as Bruce Springsteen would eloquently say, poor man want to be rich, rich man want to be king, king ain't satisfied till he rule everything, right? He wants to rule everything. So I I but like just just because if Devontae Adams is unhappy, like the Packers know they got a there's a market for top players. You know what it's going to cost you to pay a receiver. But when a receiver's asking for $8 million over the market value, you're not doing that deal. You're not doing that deal. Like, there's a deal to be made. Like, but what happens is, what often happens is, what fans don't realize, when, when the PR with a certain team starts to go bad, then there's the pile on. Well, they didn't give us what we wanted. Well, f- well you're asking for a fucking ridiculous number. Like, seriously. Like, you know, it's just, and so you get this bad press. I mean, look, I, can I tell you something? I'll let you know. This. They could franchise Devontae Adams next year if they like. Now, he'll be completely unhappy, and we'll spend all of March saying he'll never play and he'll miss it. We'll hear all that, you know, but that's the reality. They'll get one more year out of him, and, and based on that franchise number, if they keep him, that's going to be a contract. Uh, ultimately, it's frustrating. I think it's annoying, but ultimately— I want to know what you think, Mike, the Packers fans think. Because Rodgers said he contemplated retirement. I don't believe him. Ultimately, he's back. Like you said, you're trying to figure out your assets. You have Devontae Adams. A year ago, they're a Super Bowl contender. Do the fans care? Are they pissed at all Aaron Rodgers? Or do they say, hey, he's our guy and he's back, and next year it's going to be Jordan Love? Fine, we'll deal with it then. Well, I, I think Packer fans are the same. have the same frustrations that Rodgers has with the fact that they've only won two Super Bowls with two legends, one with each. I, I, I can identify with that. And I think Rodgers is like any great quarterback, any great quarterback, Tom Brady included, he likes certain players around him, you know? And because there's no owner in the building, there's no way to really hear his voice. Nobody was listening to what he was saying. Nobody was listening to, hey, look, this is what I need. When I come to the line of scrimmage, I want a slot receiver that could do X, Y, and Z. And sometimes you make concessions on this. You have to. Like, you have to. You, you, you just can't say, okay, now you got to play with this turd inside. That's what causes the problem. You as a general manager got to say, okay, like, look, you know, I can remember Brady wanted Reggie Wayne. We signed Reggie Wayne. We gave him a half million dollars. I went to that workout. Like, it wasn't very good. And, and we had to cut him. It was over with. But, we want, but that was kind of, we're trying to get a veteran receiver. You know, you're trying to get one. And sometimes you do things to make your quarterback happy because it's going to make the rest of the team. Because people don't understand this. Veteran quarterbacks like Rodgers and Brady and Favre and all these guys, they have specific things they want from their receivers. They understand what they need. They they know what the routes they want. And when you take away that guy and think some rookie's going to come in, it's very challenging. It's like Dan Marino. He had had Duper and Clayton. And then, okay, O.J. McDuffie showed up. But it was hard for, you know, he didn't want to dance with anybody else. He wanted to dance with those guys. He was comfortable with them. And part of being an executive is understanding when you have a franchise quarterback like Rodgers, there's got to be some comfortability. Like, I don't care. You know, I think Rodgers doesn't always behave in the right way, but I get his point. Like, I get his point. He's right. Maybe the style and the way he does it isn't right, but I get his point. Ultimately, frustrations you can imagine on both sides. And how about this story? As at least Aaron Rodgers is with Green Bay, Mike. You could argue it was a pain, but ultimately they got who they wanted. Maybe they could have traded him. Who knows where he ends up? But a lot of people have a lot of feelings on this. 
With training camp now underway, the NFL last week instituted a rule that says if there is a COVID-19 outbreak among unvaccinated players within a team, forcing the game to be canceled, and that game is unable to be rescheduled, the team with the outbreak will then be forced to forfeit that game. Furthermore, the team that would be held responsible for covering lost revenue from the game and neither team's players would receive weekly game checks. I see this like, oh my God, this is a loss waiting to happen. The memo sent out to the league also said that Roger Goodell also has the right to impose further sanctions against any team that prompts a cancellation. As you'd expect, backlash all over the place, including DeAndre Hopkins, stating it makes him want to question his future in the NFL. I love the fact that Roger Goodell is laying down the hammer, but I, uh, I'm a little shocked to the degree to which he's going. You? No, not at all. Because the one thing I know about the NFL owners, and I say this with all respect to them, they're going to protect their business. They are going to protect their business. They're not going to let the, the someone destroy their business. They're just not going to do it. They, they've, they've made too much money in their life. They're going to protect their business within the rules. Look, here's the newsflash for you, AD. Okay? I know you got a shot. I got a shot. If you want to coach in the National Football League, if you want to coach in college, you're going to have to get vaccinated. You're just going to have to because I got a secret. COVID ain't going away. Like we're not going to put it in the bottom drawer of the desk and it's going to be gone. Like it's here to stay. It's part of our life. It's going to be here forever. We're never going to be able to get rid of it. It came in here and it's staying. And so next year, you're going to have to have a shot. The year after, you're going to have to have a shot. Like some coaches are giving up their forever income, forever income because of a principle that they don't want the vaccination. And when you ask them, I've had one coach tell me, well, I think there's spyware in the vaccine. Spyware? What do you mean spyware? Well, I think the government could spy on you if they're through the vaccine. You know, I'm not on. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, what? how do you argue with that? How do you come back with that? Like, where do you get, you're so far out of the race, you actually think you're in the lead. I mean, where do we go from there? Look, if you have a medical condition and you can't take the vaccination, I agree. I understand. If you have a religious belief and you don't want to take it, I understand. I understand. But if you're inventing things to not take it that are outside of your principles, that you think the government's spying on you or you don't think it's because it's FDA approved, okay, I get that. Take your time. But here's the reality. Eventually, you're going to have to, if you want to work in a high-level job that pays a lot of money, okay, you're going to have to get the vaccination. If you don't want that, if you want to coach in high school and teach the gym and make your salary, you probably can get away without getting the vaccine. I'm not sure you're going to, but you might be able to get away with it. You might be able to. It's your choice. So, like, it's their rules, AD. You got to play by their rules, and their rules are within the within the within the government's regulations. They're the employer, and they're not going to screw up their business. They lost way too much money last year, way too much money. Not their fault, not the players' fault. Yeah, and to your point, Mike, it's like you go in a restaurant, right? It says no shirt, no shoes, no service. Hey, it's your choice not to go in that restaurant. But if you go in there without a shirt or shoes, they're kicking you out. Just the same thing with the NFL. Look, the people say exactly. Right. When people say it's a violation of personal liberty, well, hang on a second. It's your choice. If you don't want to get the shot, that's fine. Nobody is forcing you to do that, but you can't play the NFL then. Right. Simple as that. Like it's I, do whatever you want, man. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You and I both got vaccinated. I believe in it. But if you don't believe with me, that's fine. But this is how we're going to get things done. And you want to deter Mike? You want players to take it seriously? The fact that he said, it's not just, hey, if you're the team of the outbreak, you're not getting paid. The other team ain't getting paid. Neither team's players are receiving weekly game checks. That is how you lay down the law. And that's how you save your business. 
if you don't, if you tell players, look, we were going to rape these fans for 200 a night. And so they can sit in the lower deck. And then when they show up to the stadium, Kevin Durant's got hemorrhoids and you want to keep your business model is not going to last very long. Okay. I'm just telling you, it's not, you know, you pay for what you want, but the NFL has got to protect their business and they're going to protect their business. They lost way too much money last year. Not the player's fault, not their fault. COVID. Nobody thought COVID was going to be there. But the reality of it is, is, is if you want to work in the NFL, and I've told my sons this, look, I, whatever you, this is not going away. It's not going away. You're either going to have to get vaccinated or decide you want to change careers. Now, what career you go into, I don't know, because some other business is probably going to want to make you get vaccinated too. This is the world we live in. As Hyman said, this is the business we've chosen. We didn't ask for it. Yeah, and I think you're right about other businesses are going to do this. I mean, this isn't the only place. I just saw the news the other day. Some hospitals now requiring all of their healthcare workers to be fully vaccinated. Private businesses are going to say, if you want to work here, you're going to get vaccinated. If you don't, then go somewhere else. Like you said, the NFL just lost way too much money. What I'm curious is how many guys actually say, well, I'm not going to play. Right, for DeAndre Hopkins to say, well, maybe I don't want to play in the NFL. Okay, let's actually see it. Like, it's one thing to muse aloud, but you're going to turn your back on the greatest sport that you have if you're a football player. Uh, good luck to you. Yeah, well, here's what I would say. Andre Hopkins, I respect you. I think you're a great player. I want to know why you wouldn't take the shot. If it's a religious belief that you don't, that you've never taken any vaccination in your life, that you, when you were in grade school, you didn't have chicken pox vaccine, you didn't have you know any of those other vaccines that you had to go to, had to get a, to, before you went into kindergarten. If you didn't get any of those, I understand it. it's a religious belief. I get it. You know, however... Tell me why you don't want to get the vaccine. Is it because the FDA hasn't approved it? Okay, well, let me bring in some scientists to help you understand why it's taken so long for the FDA to approve it. Let me help you learn with an open mind why you should. You know, like Bill's daughter, she can't take the shot. She's 16 years old. There's probably, what, 5% of the country that are in her category that because of some of her, her health issues, she can't take the shot because vaccines are too dangerous. I get that. Understandable. There's nothing you could do about that. We wrote about it in the Daily Coach. It's like the kid who can't get to practice on time because he lives too far away and his mom and dad both work or he just doesn't have, he doesn't have a dad and his mom works. Like you can't, you can't kick the kid off the team for being late to practice. You got to figure out a solution. It's the same thing with the people that can't take the shot. We got to figure out a solution for religious beliefs or other. But when you start talking about spyware in the needle, now, oh, my God, now we're on a different, now we're on a different world. It just gets a little bit preposterous after a while. I mean- do you think it'll change the way teams adjust their roster? Could we see guys cut to avoid teams having to forfeit? Oh, 1,000%. 1,000%. I mean, you're in a cut meeting. This guy's va- like, like, that's the thing that's unbelievable. If you're a marginal player and you don't have the shot, you're getting cut. You're, you're, you're getting cut. I mean, that's the thing about the NFL. I mean, life goes on. Like, the, the games are going to get sold out whether you're in them or not. How about Nick Saban said he's just not going to have any player on his team who's not vaccinated, period. If you want to play for Alabama, you got to do this. And that's Nick Saban talking. I mean, it's finally we get some people that, that, that want us. Everybody's scared of Twitter. Everybody's scared of Twitter to stand up. The NFL owners aren't. They don't care. Everybody's scared of the backlash. Oh, you can't do that. No, you can. It's your business and it's legally right. Everybody's so afraid of all the backlash. Not, not anymore. Like, you know, it's one thing. I, I'm waiting for the NBA owners to, to finally say, okay, enough is enough, fellas. We've lost way too much money. Now, we won't read that in the media because there's coverage that's different there. But the reality of it is, is that sport needs an adjustment of somehow. 
short, get the, if the players can't play back-to-back, I get it. Okay, fine. Go to 60 games. Do whatever. But you can't, you can't keep ripping the fans off by having guys not play in the game. Yeah, ultimately, that's an issue when it comes to load management. The NFL, like you said, is laying down the law. Coming up next, three teams made the playoffs of the AFC North last season. A lot has changed. Joe Burrow is back. The Ravens load up more weapons. The Browns solidify their defense. And can Big Ben still carry the load? We'll answer those questions next. You know, if you really want to gain an edge in life, it's all about doing the little things, making the little changes that add up to the biggest of differences. And that's where our friends at Seed really kick in. My daily routine is pretty hectic. I wake up in the morning. I'm checking the betting odds. I'm looking at all the news that's going on. Well, I do need something that's going to keep me on track with my gut health. And DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic benefits my gut, my skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I mean, I've integrated it into my daily routine with breakfast. Boop, take one in the morning. It's an easy capsule, and that's all you got to do there. And what I've noticed, I wake up with better energy. I'm sharper at work. I'm doing all the things that I need to do to get stuff done. And because it's really, really key since your body is your ecosystem. You know, your gut is the central hub for various pathways through the body. And a healthy gut means benefits for digestion, skin health, heart health, your immune system, and much more. And what's really cool about this is that if you need a refill, it's already on the way. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when you use consistently like other routine health habits. So Seed subscription service easily builds DSO-1 into your routine with no refrigeration needed. Trust your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash shuffle and use code 25SHUFFLE. That's 25SHUFFLE to get 25% off your first month. 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash shuffle. Code 25SHUFFLE. We continue our look at different divisions here on the GM Shuffle. AFC North is our focus with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were 12-4 a season ago. That was uh, first place. They clinched their division. They drafted Najee Harris, the running back out of Alabama. Also acquired the offensive guard, Trey Turner. Over-under win total of 8.5. How about that? The black and gold, 12 wins a season ago. But the over-under is 3.5 less than 8.5. And And part of that is because Big Ben is 39 years old. They have a brand new offensive line. But is this finally the time, Mike? You start to see the Steelers, who are as reliably consistent as it gets, are they finally going to be under 500? I'll take the over, but I don't think it's going to be a great year for them. I could see 8-9, which would be the under. How about you? I'm going to go under. I mean, I think, look, I think it's hard for them. I think any of these teams that had serious cap issues in the offseason, you know, I think it's going to be challenging for them to come back. This offensive line is going to be brand new. We know that. They're going to be a bunch of guys no one's ever heard of. It's going to take some time. And Ben, as I've said about on the shuffle all the time, gets rid of the ball so quick. I mean, he don't want to get hit. Matt, new offensive coordinator, new offensive line, a lot of moving pieces. How good is Ben? Is Ben still a good player? I think it's under, A.D. That's the focus for you is you just feel like, especially because the quarterback. I mean, Roethlisberger, I feel like this is his last year. You're talking about the last dance for Rodgers. This could be the last dance for Big Ben. I think there's no doubt. I mean, I, I mean, look, Big Ben, I thought it was going to be his last year this year. I thought the Steelers would say, okay, you know, enough, that's it. You know, based on what he did last year in the second half of the season, once we got in November, December, and, and I really don't want to hear about what Ben does in September. Most veterans will look good in September. The problem with when you put a veteran guy 39 is when they get into December and January and it becomes hard for them. 
That's what the that's what I'm looking for. And, and the other thing about Steelers, look, losing Bud Dupree hurts. Now maybe Melvin Ingram can rejuvenate them. He signed this week, you know, to help Highsmith, the second year player that they drafted out of Miami. Maybe they can. But to me, the reality of it is, is I don't know how good they are, especially in the secondary on defense, if they don't have great pass rush. All right, next up, the Baltimore Ravens. 11-5 and five a season ago. Second place, they clinched the wild card. They had Rashad Bateman they drafted, uh, Jason Away from Penn State. And they also acquired Sammy Watkins and Kevin Zeitler. So Greg Roman is now the guy trying to create a new offense well-suited for Lamar Jackson. We'll talk about Lamar, by the way, and COVID in just a second. What do you think about Baltimore? 11-5, and five, Mike. And right now, the, the guys in the desert are saying, yeah, it's about right. Over under win total of 11. I'll go over. I, I see them winning 12 games, but how about you? I, I think 12-5 and five is realistic. I mean, look, they, they, they've got to find a way to throw the ball outside the numbers. I mean, I think one of the biggest mistakes they made last year was letting Hayden Hurst go. They helped him control the middle of the field offensively. I think they'll be really good defensively. Again, Martindale does a really good job moving pieces around. They'll be hard to block up front. They always find a way to get mismatches. The key's going to be, can Lamar make a couple of those throws? Can he throw the ball for more than 3,400 yards, which is his over-under total? And he's got to be able to do that. He's got to find a way to connect on the outside part of the field. If he does that, right or left, then I think they have a much improved chance of doing it. But I think they could be 11-5. and five. You know, Bateman, they got Watkins. You know, so I, I think they have a chance. They're a, they're a good team, and they'll always be a good team. Plus, they have just Justin Tuck. They have the greatest field goal kicker. I mean, when you when you can guarantee three points on the other side of the field, I mean, that's I know that touched. I'd rather have touchdowns, but, you know, that helps you stay in games. Tucker, incredible field goal kicker, and he can sing in the opera. Guy's unbelievable. If you've ever seen that 60-minute story, you should go check it out. Or maybe it was HBO Real Sports, actually. Next up, the Browns at 11-5. and five. They clinched the wild card. First-round pick of Greg Newsom. They acquired Jadevian Clowney. Okay. John Johnson and Troy Hill. An over and a win total of 9.5. So maybe a bit of a regression here. And part of it comes down to Baker Mayfield, a guy who is either first half or second half Baker Mayfield. You and I have been on the line of saying, listen, he's good, but he's not great. However, I do like their defense a lot. I'm going to go over, Mike. Nine and a half is the over-under. You? I'm going to go over, too. And I think partly because I think they're going to improve on defense. I mean, last year, they gave up way too many points. I mean, last year, they gave up way too many points on defense. I think it was over 400 and some points. You know, and they were able to, I mean... Quarterbacks averaged 7.2 yards against them per attempt. I mean, the quarterback had an opposing rating of 94.8, but I think they've improved with their secondary. I think they've made it their offseason. You could see that the numbers told them they had to get better, and I think they did. I think Baker Mayfield, you and I both agree, he's a system quarterback, and we say that with respect. The system fits him perfectly, and I think he should improve. You know, he gets Beckham back. He's got a good ground game. Look, they're going to open up the six-and-a-half-point dogs to the to the Chiefs on 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 Sunday, the first game of the season. But they have the kind of team that can give the Chiefs a little problems. If Clowney's healthy and he can rush to go along with Miles Garrett, and if they get any help inside, that's Malik Jackson's got to come through for him. Okay, so there's they can rush four and get there. That's good. They have corners that can cover, but it's not covering Hill. You don't you don't need corners to cover Hill. You're going to double Hill on every play, right? You need the corners to cover their other receivers so you, they don't beat you you got to be able to win those matchups. Everybody focuses on Hill. I think Hill's the best receiver in football, but you got to double him on every play. And then you got to have safeties that can cover Kelsey and tackle his big ass. So, you know, the Browns have that. 
Now, are they good enough on the scheme? I think it's a big year. I think Joe Woods got a big year in front of him. I think they can't keep giving up points at the at the level that they gave up points. You know, they gave up 44% on third down last year, not good enough. You know, they were 81% on fourth down. The red zone, they gave up 60% touchdowns. That just ain't good enough. They got to do better on defense, but I like them on the over. So the Bengals at 4-11. and 11. Um, Jamar Chase is there, the wide receiver at LSU. Makes a lot of sense, obviously, with Burrow. Riley Reif, Mackenzie Alexander, offensive tackle and cornerback, respectively. They're required. Six and a half is the over-under. Burrow's not playing in the preseason to prepare for the regular season. The huge question mark, can he come back after a knee injury? Six and a half. I might go under, Mike, just because I don't know how healthy he's going to be. I don't think how much they've improved other than that. I think Chase is a good receiver, but they're still not ready to make the leap. I'll pick him at a six-win team. I'll take the under. You know, for me, for me, AD, how do you bet the over when if, if Zach Taylor gets to seven wins, which hits the over, that would be double his output for the entire his career as a head coach? <laughs> That's stunning. Like, how is that possible? He's only won six games total in his two-year coaching career. If he gets to seven, that would that that would be his finest. That would be after two years. So you know, I, I I'm not I'm not sold on him. I think defensively they still have issues. I think they'll be good in September, but once they start getting injuries. I worry about Burrow getting hit. I love these clips about Jamar Chase, how great he looks. Yeah, and every time I watch the clip, he's going against nobody. Like, I think he's going to be a great player, but they better be able to block. That's my concern. And how about a bonus one here? Aaron Rodgers, big question mark for the Packers. So most sports freaks had them off. Now the team has moved to 10. I'll take the over on the Packers. Me too. I'll take the over on the Packers. Look, they won 13 games last year. Here's the reality of Aaron Rodgers. And I know this sounds really simple, and people on Twitter give me shit about it all the time. You must avoid losing before you can win. And Aaron Rodgers is really good at that. So is Brady. 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Okay? By doing that, by doing that, he avoids losing. He doesn't turn the ball over. So you got to beat him. Now, I think they'll be much better on defense, not scheme-wise, scheme-wise, not talent-wise, scheme-wise. I think they'll balance their defense more because, because Joe Barry's going to be more zone. They're going to be balanced. And when you're balanced, you're not going to give up stupid plays. So for me, I think that's really, really it. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be better. This goes back to what we were discussing with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson being diagnosed with COVID. Now, hopefully it's a quick recovery. He tested positive on Tuesday, sidelined for the first practice of training camp Wednesday. But this is the second time he's tested positive in the past eight months. He reported to camp last Thursday, tested negative five straight days before he got the positive test. So unvaccinated players are subject to daily testing and unvaccinated players are required to get tested once every 14 days. Gus Edwards, by the way, running back, also tested positive. So unvaccinated players required to be isolated for 10 days. Obviously, there's a real hard line here between being vaccinated or unvaccinated. But is this a warning again, Mike, for Lamar Jackson? Like, dude, this is the second time you got it. How much of um, impetus is here for teams to go, look what's happened to this guy. This can't happen to us. Go get the shot in the arm. I mean, it really is. I mean, because if if you don't, if your quarterback isn't vaccinated, you got to be worried every week. You got to be worried every week. Now they're not going to tell you he is because of HIPAA laws. But I know this: betting on games. Oh, damn, I'm not betting on a team that doesn't have a vaccinated quarterback. <laughs> That'll make our picks a lot easier, I think, when we start to go through the list. Um, coming up next, Deshaun Watson is at camp for the Texans. He has wait for it, 22 active lawsuits filed against him. 22. What's his future? We'll dive in next. 
The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. What a week we have. Sun up to sundown, college basketball conference tournaments all day long for your betting pleasure. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SHUFFLE. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SHUFFLE. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources deshaun watson he's back despite the fact he has 22 active lawsuits against him allegations of sexual assault or inappropriate behavior but the nfl says there are quote no restrictions on his participation in club activities According to Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, remember that name? He defended Clemens back in the day. Ten women have made official complaints to the Houston police. Eight of those ten are among the 22 who have filed lawsuits. So he's back at camp. The NFL is even the door open for a possible suspension. Of course, they're going to investigate information. But again, Mike, you talk about a situation where you're wary about betting on a team. I'm still away from the Texans. He might play two games and get suspended for a year. I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea either. I mean, I don't know what you could do. You know, I don't know how Nick can talk to a team and, and, and assure them that he's not going to get traded. I don't think he can do that, you know, not, not get suspended. I mean, the, basically, the league office has said, buyer beware. And, and in fairness to Deshaun, they're not going to rule until, the, until, but he's got eight criminal cases now, 22 civil. Now, eight of the 22 are in the civil, right? That's the way you just read it to me. He's got eight. He hasn't fully been charged, though. They're with the police, so they haven't been. He hasn't been charged by the police, so they're pending. It's almost like what they're up to a, you know, like I don't want to say it's a grand jury, but they're look, reviewing the evidence to see if there's enough evidence to bring charges against him. Is that how you read that? I think so too. Yeah, it hasn't been formally done, but I think it's going to happen at some point. I would agree with that. Yeah. So I mean, how do you do that? How do you trade for him? I mean, I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know how you would. How would you do that and say to your owner, look, I'm pretty sure of it. You know, when you've had an official complaint, 10 of them have made official complaints with the Houston police. Eight of those 10 are among the 22 who have filed. So that means there's really 24 if they wanted to go to civil court, right? Because only eight of the 10 are amongst the 22. So there's two out there that aren't in the civil case. So there's 24. I'm not good at math. I just had to rub my fingers together. But I mean, that's what it looks like to me. Yeah, it's... It's a messy situation. There's no question about it. And the league is not going to be forced into doing anything, right? I mean, they're basically going to say, hey, let's wait for this to play out. Obviously, you know, the justice system will take a look at it. But other two have filed with the Houston police, not in civil court. So that's another wrinkle to it. Right. But but don't you think, A.D., at some point, those two that have only filed in in uh and with Houston police, so eventually, once the civil cases start to come, they'll file with civil. Yeah, I, I think you're right. That would that would be 
my idea of it. Listen, there's one thing you and I can agree on. There's no way he's getting traded. Who the hell's going to trade for this guy when he could be gone? So that's one. And two, if he's there with Houston, if I were a betting man, I don't think he's playing all 16 games. All right? I think that is a fairly safe No, I wouldn't either. Here's what will happen is if he gets traded without anybody knowing, the team will say that when the team trading for him will say, well, we have a good idea what's going to happen. And if they say that, then why is it the league ruled on it? Like, how would you step, why would you step in front of this until the league ruled? And and I can tell you this honestly, the league doesn't share what they're going to rule. They're not sharing that with other teams. Yeah, that would be the only way. If you got tipped off by somebody, oh, okay, he's not going to get suspended, great, we'll give up freaking four draft picks for him. But you're right, the league's not going to do that. Why would they do that? So um, we'll see what happens there. How about this? Xavier Howard requesting a trade from Miami. On Tuesday night, their Pro Bowl cornerback issued a statement saying he's requested a trade. I don't feel valued or respected by the Dolphins. This is a guy who two years ago signed a five-year, $75 million deal that at the time made him the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. His contract now ranks sixth in pay per average, and the corner opposite him, Byron Jones, earned a five-year, $82.5 million deal in free agency. Said Howard, I'm one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, yet I'm the second-highest-paid cornerback on my own team, and it's not even close. You wrote about this in The Athletic, Mike. I, not I, even close. Yeah, it's really ridiculous here. Go ahead. It's not even close. I mean, Byron Jones was a disaster last year. Everybody, he would be cut if he didn't have $16 million on his record. Everybody goes after him. He's the village bicycle. Everybody has a ride. You know, like everybody's going after his ass. And for him to make $82.5 million when he's the guy getting it, if you're Howard, you got to be pissed off. You know, this is what happens. You know, you can't be old school and saying we're not touching the contracts when you bring somebody in your locker room that's not as good as the guy you already have there. You get, you know, you got to have a community. It's a different culture today than it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Look, I think Howard's one of the best corners in all of football. He's a, he's a breakfast corner. He dominates you with the, he wins early in the route. He wins early in the route, and he's really good at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he I mean, he beats the shit out of these receivers. So, you know, for me, I, I mean, I don't know how I, you know, but once again, he's in camp because he don't want to pay the 50. He don't want to pay the 50K, nor does he want to pay the signing bonus back. See, even though there's no rule, even though nobody thinks the, the teams have leverage in March, they, they do. Now, I mean, Miami's got to solve this problem. Yeah, and it's not a problem that looks like it's going to be solved very easily. I mean... What could Miami get in return for Howard? Do you think this is a situation where they'll look to trade him or do you think they'll try to rework his contract? Because that hasn't happened yet. Oh, I think he would be, I think he's a chip. I think he's a chip in the, uh, if they could get Watson. I think they're, I think they're going to try to go all in on Watson. Like I, I, I know they got the greatest quarterback in the history of football in, in Tua, but I think they're going to go all in on Watson. I think they're going to go all in on Watson. I think Houston will go all in. I mean, uh, Philly will go all in Watson. And I think Carolina will go all in on Watson. Interesting if all those teams definitely in the mix somewhere, some way, someone's going to get them. But again, you can read Mike's work in The Athletic in which he spoke about how uh, just terrible the situation is for Howard right now and the Miami Dolphins. New segment here before we get to the pop culture minute. This week in NFL history, uh, something new that our producer Rich Cook and I dial up and we're into this. So in 1971, two of the most influential names in NFL history, Jim Brown and Vince Lombardi, no relation to Mike, inducted into the Hall of Fame. In 1993, Walter Payton and Bill Walsh, who Mike worked under for years, inducted into the Hall of Fame. Jim Brown, listen, I love his acting, first of all. The fact that he averaged 5.2 yards a rush, incredible. 10 years of the Browns, okay, I'm out. Vince Lombardi, one of the great books ever. David Marinus, 
It was the biographer wrote When Pride Still Mattered. If you haven't read that book, his biography of Lombardi is amazing. He goes through his beginnings, his formative years, the fact he loved the song Mac the Knife, used to always say shut up Marie to his wife. These are the random things I mentioned. And then, of course, Walter Payton, Sweetness, uh, So Identifiable the Bears, and Bill Walsh, Mike, with whom you have so many stories. Those four names, that almost feels like the story of the NFL to me. Jim Brown, Vince Lombardi, Walter Payton, and Bill Walsh. Yeah, I, I'm just really on the chapter. It's interesting. I, I, I want to do this more because the book that I'm writing is a book about the it's a, it's a book about the Hall of Fame and about the great players, and and the first the first chapter is about coaches and you know I'm writing about Clark Shaughnessy and his impact of changing the game of football from the single from the from to the wing to the T formation where we got away from you know the single wing football and the quarterback became the most important position on the field and that evolution and how he impacted Coach Walsh when I used to get on the team bus bus number one with Coach Walsh, he would always be doodling. He was like John Kennedy. John Kennedy loved to sit in the White House and doodle sailboats in meetings. And if you go to the Kennedy Library, you'll see a bunch of sailboats from his doodling at times in presidential meetings. Walsh was similar, but Walsh doodled Clark Shaughnessy's football plays. He loved to go back and watch those tapes of the, of the Chicago Bears, the Stanford Cardinals of the 1940s, and he would doodle. And so his impact was, was, was strong. And then, you know, from him, it became Paul Brown, which all the things we do today and what Coach Walsh did come from Paul Brown, who coached Jim Brown. And then we get into, you know, then I get into Sid Gilman and his impact. You know, Sid Gilman had, think about this, AD, Sid Gilman had Al Davis and Chuck Noll up in his press box on game day. Now, just that alone. I mean, I, can't, I, wasn't, I worked for Al Davis for eight years. I couldn't ask him a question. Could you imagine him being up in the press box? Hey, hey Al, tell me about that cover three sloop. Oh, oh, don't you fucking ask me a question, goddammit. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine how that would go? I would love that. But that's how great that Chargers staff was in 61. And so I'm going through all this, and now today I just started writing about Vince and about how he turned down the, the Eagle job in 1958 uh, because he didn't feel like he had enough control, sounds familiar with today's game, and eventually took the Packer job in 59, and then took with him what he became was the offense that was able to revolution, because it was still a ground game in the 60s. The AFL was throwing the ball. The NFL was still running the football because the rules really were against the passing game because the offensive linemen had to keep their hands close to their chest. Defensive backs could hit the receiver until the ball was in the air. So the game really changed. But, you know, that's the, 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 fun, the fun part of this chapter has been how all these coaches are somehow intertwined. You know, Chuck Knoll to Sid Gilman to Don Shula to Bill Arnsbarger to Marty Schottenheimer to Bill Cower to, you know, it's all kind of connected. And one generation passes on to the next generation, and it's just really, really fascinating. And I think for me, it has been how much innovation was going on when I thought it was just two backs in the backfield and no innovation. It's been a great learning experience for me. That's awesome, man. For a guy like you to still be learning stuff, that speaks volumes to the kind of research you're doing. Of course, look forward to that book. Uh, Pop Culture Minute, couple ones for you. Stillwater is a new film. I encourage everyone to check it. It's the best movie I've seen so far this year. Seven months into the year. I think it's one of the best performances of Matt Damon's career. It's from Tom McCarthy. He's the guy who did Spotlight, which of course won Best Picture. Also did The Visitor and Win Win. The story, if you haven't seen the trailers, Matt Damon plays a guy from Stillwater, Oklahoma, construction worker, who goes to Paris to visit his daughter who's been imprisoned, and he gets a embroiled in the case which happened a few years ago the murder of an Arab girl and he starts trying to help his daughter 
get out of that predicament. I thought it was timely. It was urgent. It was effective. And Damon, it's a Matt Damon you've never seen before. Listen, he's a liberal guy from Boston, but here he's playing uh, a Trump supporter from Oklahoma who's much, much different than the Matt Damon we know. And I thought the storytelling was excellent. At times, it could be maybe a little bit contrived, but it was genuinely moving, and it's opening in theaters this Friday. Most of the time, Mike, the summer movies are superheroes and sequels, which I get tired of, but Stillwater is an excellent film. Are you uh, watching any movies or perhaps the Olympics? No, I'm watching Dominic and Mikey run around the house. I mean, that's what I'm watching. I don't think I've watched. I want to watch that 100-foot wave, and I haven't been able to get to it. But I wanted to ask you, have you seen Lansky yet? I have not. The Harvey Keitel film, of course, you and I love Meyer Lansky. Anything mob-related, I'm going to go check out. I heard mixed reviews, so I'm in no rush to see it. It was like six bucks on DirecTV. I'll wait a couple months until it's free, I'm sure, on HBO or somewhere. But I heard mixed reviews. As much as I'm fasting by Meyer Lansky, one of the great mobsters ever. Like, do you think of so many mobsters end up in the can or in prison Died of natural causes, right? Jewish guy, lived into his 80s. And uh, Hyman Roth from The Godfather 2, based on Meyer Lansky, friends with Lucky Luciano. I heard the movie wasn't great. Remember the movie? The Richard Dreyfuss did a version of Lansky years ago. David Mamet actually wrote the script, but I heard this one wasn't great. David Mamet wrote the script or he wrote another one? He, he wrote another one. It was years ago with Richard Dreyfuss was in it, but that one wasn't great as much as I love David Mamet. But this new one, uh, I heard mixed reviews. I love Mamet. Yeah, he's awesome. I love Mammon. He's tremendous. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, have you seen the Bourdain documentary yet? No, I heard about that. I, was, I actually got a, I didn't get a link to it, but there's a potential interview I was trying to line up for Cinephile, but apparently it's really well done. No holds barred. I mean, this is a guy, he's so successful, successful excuse me, and yet tortured. Um, I, it's amazing. Apparently the documentary has lots of behind the scenes stuff, videos, clips, et cetera. So I am looking forward to seeing it. I can't wait. I want to see that. That sounds like it's really good. I'm disappointed. I was hoping that would come out first. I can't, in this day and age, I can't imagine it's at the theaters where I would thought, but I guess they probably get more money if it goes to the theaters. But I'm looking forward to seeing that. Nice. Yeah, definitely going to go check it out. All right. Thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Lots of great content here. Aaron Rodgers is back. NFL training camps are back. So uh, we're not going to go to two a day, so to speak, until the season begins. We'll go back to our twice weekly schedule in September. But all August, we're here with you. So check us out. Subscribe, rate, review the GM Shuffle.